everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. great to see you all this morning. You look amazing. I love seeing the layered looks of fall represented, the various flannels that have been busted out. Some of y'all, I don't know if you're like me, you kind of have like that fall bin that you, it's like your time capsule. Can't wait for fall to come around. And I will unashamedly say, I am all about fall. Okay, I love it. I love the fall season. I would like to give this disclaimer. Apparently there are some who have been deceived for much of their life in thinking that fall weather and winter weather is the same thing. And so when they hear people talking about fall, they're like, but it's so cold. Y'all, there is a 30 to 40 degree difference in the weather. I am not a fan of the deep cold although I do prefer it over the deep hot. I always say you can always put more layers on, you can only take so many off and not be arrested. But I love the fall, I love everything about it. I love the layers, I love the hoodies, I love the football season. I'm not loving the FSU score yesterday, it was quite traumatizing. Uh, I love all the various pumpkin beverages. I do draw the line on some pumpkin flavored things though. There can be too much of a good thing. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says honey is sweet, but too much of it and you will vomit, okay? That's Bible. And I I saw the other day somebody posted something of a pumpkin-flavored bacon, and I said, I'm sorry, I draw the line. Now, you can maybe sprinkle some candied bacon on a pumpkin donut and we'd be in business, but there are some boundaries, guys. Um... But anyway, I'm, I'm a huge fan of fall. Uh, one of the things that came out just this last week, which I'm super excited about, if we could just get the slide for the Every Nation album. Our Every Nation family just released a brand new worship, live worship album. Can we give a hand for that? This is, for those of you who don't know, City of Lights, we are not a Lone Ranger church. We are one, yes, a part of the grander body of Christ, but we're also a part of an amazing church family called Every Nation Ministries. It is a global family. And over the summer, we got to gather for a conference that we do once every three years. It's our Every Nation World Conference. Over 6,800 people, 6,800 people gathered from 80 different nations together to worship Jesus. And these songs that are on the album were actually written uh, in a collaborative effort by writers all over the nation. I had an opportunity to co-write on a couple of these, as well as our founding music director, Zach Clemens, who's now uh, with his amazing wife at our Every Nation Church in Augusta, Georgia. And it is awesome, guys. So I really want to encourage you, you can get it on any music platform. You'll hear us doing some of those songs here. And there's something about releasing a sound 
that, that is, is, it resonates with who God's called us to be, not just individually, but as a people. So many of the psalms and the passages that we'll read and sing songs out of in Scripture, many times we can automatically, because it's what we do, we think it's about us. And we just take them as individual declarations. But there are some declarations that God meant to be declared by a people, not just a person. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit later on as we're talking about gratitude and generosity, about how this really does affect the condition of our hearts and our attitudes. And so I really want to encourage you to get that. And then one more thing I want to say before I jump into my message, and I don't know if anybody else like this. I'm sure that there are many more like this. I am loving this season of city groups. Anybody in a city group in here? You loving your city group? You're like, ah, I'm actually on the fence. No. We have great city groups. Uh, I, want to, I have a picture of mine. I just took a little ninja pic of some of the guys in mine. Uh, we're missing a couple additions. Mr. David Howard and Tyler Blythe are also a part of the city group. And I, I'm just loving just the honesty of conversations and the connection that God is doing. And um, I've heard so many great testimonies already of people who uh, are getting connected to city groups, whether they were apprehensive at first and then came and got plugged in, and those who are continuing to be a part of it and loving it. And so if you're in a city group, I want to put this challenge out there. I want to ask you, I'd love to hear what God's doing in your city group. So take a picture of your city group. Take a picture of somebody from your city group with them and post to share a little testimony about what God's been doing in you in city groups and just tag City of Lights at City Lights Indy with the hashtag City Groups Indy. I'd love to hear and love to share what God is doing. Amen? Awesome. This morning, we are starting a, a new series, and we're jumping into a series, as you know, called First Fruits. And in this series, we'll definitely be talking about generosity and stewardship and finances, but I really want you all to understand that at the very core of this series, it's not a money series, it's a worship series. At the heart and the core of our giving, of our resources, of our generosity, it's not about stuff and amounts, but it is about our attitude. Biblical generosity is not about an amount, but an attitude of adoration. It's about us joyfully bringing to God what is already his and soberly stewarding that which he entrusts and graciously gives to us. This morning, our main text comes from Genesis in the book of Beginnings, chapter 4. And I'm going to start in verse 2 and then continue to verse 10. Would you open up? Your Bible's with me. If you have a device, you can open that up or you can simply look at the screen. Actually, I'll go ahead and start in verse 1 to give some context. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife. Now, you would say, duh, that's not what this means. She just knew him. It basically means Adam did what parents do to have kids, right? And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Now there's a specific intentionality by it saying their fat portions. This was considered the best 
portions of the sacrifice. It wasn't just some lean, sick cow. It says, um, continuing in verse, uh, in verse 4, and he had regard, it says, I'm um, sorry, and the Lord, halfway down verse 4, had regard for Abel and his offering, verse 5, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry, and he fell, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. Another translation said that Cain called his brother and said, go to the field with me. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and he killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I ask this morning, Lord, that you would help us to put down our defenses and that you would trip all of the alarms that would try to set off when we talk about things that actually are close to our heart. Lord, I'm asking, oh, great merciful God, that you would let this not just be another message that we hear and it goes in one ear if it even does go through our ear and goes out the other. But Lord, help us to be renewed and transformed. Lord, help us to embrace your heart of generosity and see you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's, it's interesting when we talk about the concept of generosity. Thank you, Caleb. Um, and anytime that you talk about money, a lot of times, it's, it's funny how sometimes the things that you need to talk about most and the things that we need God and the gospel to deal with in the areas of the idols of our hearts the most, we tend to shrink back from or freak out of or not receive the most when it comes to church stuff. That's why, unfortunately, the church doesn't talk nearly enough, in my opinion, at times, historically, at least in modern times, I will say that. I feel like at times the most taboo topics like sex and money and identity, we tend to shy away from because people get offended, they leave, they move on, and they keep walking in bondage to their idols. Go figure. Um, so I want to challenge us to really be able to hear and receive from the Lord because God actually wants you to grow. Y'all hear me? God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow in understanding. He wants you to grow in compassion. He wants you to grow in generosity. He wants you to grow in being able to know and experience and be a conduit of his love. And the funny thing is, it's such a trigger, it's such a, a scheme of the enemy to get us to be overly sensitive in this area because in other areas, we will succumb to financial obligations and not even blink at it, right? Like, how many of you, even under, like, I, I often ask myself this. 
Who was the first person who decided we had to give 20% tip when you eat food? And I like being generous. I like blessing people. I've worked in food service. Anybody worked in food service? You've waited tables. You are in, you've done it. You've had to struggle, right? You've had, and you know, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but there are certain restaurants that I've worked in where we would always get nervous when there was a Christian conference in town because they were cheap. Now, I know that's none of y'all because we're generous people. We're going to bless. I hope you don't just tip. You bless the person, Right? You want to walk in generosity. But I remember, like, getting so frustrated, especially when you start making a little bit of money and you got to pay for things yourself. Some of y'all heard me talk about on Father's Day when we went out to eat. And my son, Isaiah, he's got this big thing where he doesn't want to order off the kids' menu anymore because he's 12. <laughs> he doesn't say he's 12. He says, Dad, I'm a preteen. I'm like, you know what, Negro? A little African-American. Your pre- Do you have preteen money? That's what I ask him. <laughs> That's why I asked him. So, we, you know, we go, we went to the restaurant, and he goes, he's looking, he's realizing that grown-up menus don't usually come with a cookie and a drink. And he goes, Dad, I mean, does that come with a drink, or do you have to get that separate? I was like, I don't know. Do you have drink money? Like, it's <laughs> like, Dad, I really wanted this side. It doesn't come with it. I was like, I don't know. Do you have side money? Right? There's something about when you start paying for things yourself that you become accustomed to things. And when I was... Waiting tables and, and wanting a tip, it was one thing. But then when all of a sudden I was like paying for things myself and then had to pay a tip, I was like, uh, you start like evaluating things. Well, you're like, I mean, they only filled my water once, uh, you know. But, but it's funny how like for the most part, you know, a tip is just, it's just what you do. You go to a restaurant, and, and it's not a bad thing. You hear what I'm saying? But, you know, it, it's, we don't mind, or we, even if you have a group of eight or more, there's an automatic gratuity. It's, people are so bold. They're like, we're not even presuming the tip. You're going to tip us today because we had to feed all y'all crazy fake people. When we think about those things, it's just automatic, although there really is, like, there's a basis of generosity, and there's a the thing, but this is something that has become a part of our culture even though it's, it, there's a generosity effect, but nobody makes you pay a tip. It's more sometimes it's out of like condemnation and shame because you're like, man, if I don't tip, man, they're going to, I come back to this restaurant. They won't feed me again. They're going to spit in my food, right? But sometimes when we talk about giving and we talk about tithes and we talk about the first fruits, we kind of get a little bit of antsy and, and, and I'll just give this caveat, and then we'll jump into these, these principles of the first fruits I want you to understand is that God has done more for you than any waiter or waitress have ever, has ever done. Amen. Like, he didn't just fill your glass. He, like, gave you eternal life. It's a pretty cool situation. <laughs> and part of why we don't get or we hesitate in this area, again, I said it's not about an amount. It's about an attitude. It's that. We, we don't fully, we haven't fully allowed ourselves to be impacted and realize how great what God, I mean, how great the sacrifice is that God gave us. How much he truly has blessed us. Not how much, how he's, how much he has blessed us with, but how he's blessing you right now. Did anyone have to think consciously in the last five minutes to breathe in and breathe out? Anybody? No. That's a reason to give thanks. That's a reason to give praise. 
So this morning as we talk about the first fruits, in, in, in my talk today, I really kind of want to give an overview for us to understand the concept and the spirit behind this. So I want to talk about three principles of first fruits. First of all, to talk about this, the first principle, the three I'm going to talk about is authority, attitude, and aftermath. If you are taking notes because you're a leader and you actually want to grow and receive this later on, not just here, I would appreciate you to write these things down. Authority, attitude, and aftermath. First of all, authority. So when we talk about first fruits, first fruits refers to the first portion of the harvest, or the first portion of goods which is given to God. Most notably, the sense of first fruits. It's kind of like the first, uh, the first fruits that come in. It's a pledge of hope, a greater harvest to follow. It's a dedication. It's like when you seeded the harvest and you begin to get the first fruits of that harvest, you don't just eat it for yourself. You present it to God. Why? Because he was the one that provided in the first place, and the harvest comes from the Lord. You don't just get yours and then give God whatever is left over. We also see this connection of first fruits uh, connected to the firstborn, whether it was human or whether it was beast, that this, the firstborn was considered God's special possession. We see this demonstrated in Exodus. We see this throughout. There's this specific uh, blessing that comes to the firstborn. There's this blessing and, 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 and set-apartness, a consecrated aspect to the first. The concept, really, of this, this, this first fruits mindset comes from God's created work because God created everything that exists. All of creation belongs to him. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That which is first and best belongs to God. Offering our first fruits is something that we offer to God without fear or hesitation or regret. And it's not just about money. It's about our time, our resource, our best. First fruits are about choosing God first. There's a sketch, a little video sketch on YouTube by Kev on stage. And... Uh, he has some great videos, some hilarious videos. One of his videos is he talks about, you know, 15 truths about black families. They're great. Some of you, you might learn some things. A lot of you might learn some things based on what I'm looking at today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, but one of the truths that he mentions is he said, when you're, when you're eating, he said, the big chicken breast goes to dad. And I'm trying to help my children understand this. this concept. <laughs> They're learning. They're learning. They're African Americans. You got a seed. <laughs> it's like it's like a quarter dark, right? It's like working on it. It's a blend. But the whole the whole concept is is it's honoring. It's it's saying we give the best portion to God because it all came from him. It is a recognition of God's authority. It's recognizing that all that we have comes from you, and it's an act to not only, it's not only an act of thanksgiving and, and an act of worship to recognize who he is, but it's also an act of faith because of what is yet to come. 
when we give God our first fruits, what we're saying is, I not only give this to you to say thank you for what you've done, but we can give it with, with thanksgiving and confidence and faith, knowing that you will provide. You will provide. I think it's something of note that the people, the, the children of Israel, even while they were wandering and they had not yet come into the promised land, even as they were on the move and had no possession or land of their own, they would still give of the first fruits offering because they weren't giving just based on what they had. They gave based on who he was and what he would bring. I've heard people at times go, you know what, there's a myth. It's like, when I make more, I'll give. No, you won't. No, you won't. You know why you won't? Because your check's going to get bigger. And then when you start looking at it, you're like, oh, what can I get with that? Hmm, you know? And then you decide you want to get married. And you're like, okay, I got to get money for this. And then, you know what, once we get settled in, then we'll, we'll start giving. No, you won't. Because then you're going to have, like, this creature that you got to clean up after and you got to feed and you, they want to do ballet and take piano lessons and do sports that they're only going to do for one season and you buy all the gear. You got to put it up on Facebook Market and all that stuff. Yeah, I know. Heal. Heal, Lord. Heal. No. But it's amazing how you, it's not about the amount it's about us recognizing his authority. It's about us having an attitude of adoration. Not just by what we have, but what he's going to continue to provide. The first fruits, there's, there's an, it's an, first and foremost, there's a posture of his authority of recognizing you are greater. When it comes to this idea of first fruits, we see this continued, uh, and, and it goes very much hand in hand with the concept of the tithe. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this, and yet there's a subtle difference here. Um, we see particularly the tithe. The tithe means tenth. It was, a, it was a, an amount, a designation, and almost a starting place to say we give a tenth of increase. We see this beginning with Abraham, and when he interacted with Melchizedek at the, after he had acquired and God had blessed him, that he gave a tenth, and it began this principle of the tithe, and it would continue, and Jesus, when he was on the scene, he didn't actually abolish giving a tithe, but this is what he was trying to get to. Jesus was like, I think you guys missed the point. Because it's not just about the tithe. The tithe isn't just the point. It's the first fruits, which is the attitude. And so when the, the religious people were acting kind of uppity and puffed up because they're like, well, we give the tithe, what else do you want? Jesus was like, you all belong to me. <laughs> give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to the Lord what's the Lord's. Well, when he was saying that, he was talking about the money. When you would look at the coin, Caesar would be on the coin. He was saying the thing that bears the image of Caesar, give that to Caesar. The thing that bears the image of me, give it to me. What were we created in? The image of God. So he reminds you, you understand, like, it's not about your percentage. It's about your heart. And I want it all. 
I want it all. So if you come this morning, you're like, man, I don't know, pastor's talking about us giving 10%. No, I'm actually not. I say give it all. <laughs> give it all to God. Y'all hear me this morning. Woo, I love it. I love it. Pockets are itching. Hearts are being stirred. <laughs> not going to be a whole lot of tweeting today. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so the second thing, second principle First is authority. Second is attitude. And that's where we look at when we look at this passage of Genesis. What I think is interesting and in, in just a, a principle of reading and understanding, interpreting Scripture is there's a principle called the principle of first mentions. And whenever we see something first mentioned in Scripture, we want to we want to give it some focus and some attention. So we look at this encounter where God, we're looking at the first sons of Adam and Eve. In this whole thing, I think it's quite interesting that Cain himself would technically be the first fruit of Adam and Eve, the firstborn. And we see this interaction where it's the first mention of Scripture where we see someone bringing an offering to God. And so here are these two brothers, one who is a farmer and he brings some fruit. He brings some fruit of the ground, vegetables. Another brother who has livestock and it says he did not just bring a meat sacrifice, but he brought it of the fatted portion. He gave his best. Now, many scholars have kind of gone back and forth trying to figure out and as as. You would if you're like, okay, well, God, how did this work out? Because we want to figure out what was wrong with his sacrifice, what was wrong with his sacrifice. Because I don't know about you, if I want to bring an offering, I want to bring, like, the one that God receives, not the one that you get cursed by. Right? Uh, no, if you, like, give somebody the option, uh, do you want to be blessed or cursed? There's not a whole lot of people like, put me down for the curse. Right? We don't want that. And so scholars have kind of gone back and forth trying to figure out what was it. Some would say that maybe it was because uh, Cain's offering was not, it wasn't a flesh and blood. It wasn't an animal sacrifice. And so perhaps because it wasn't a blood sacrifice, then it actually didn't count. It wasn't what God wanted. But then when, when you look at even the word, this was more of an offering or it, it's connected more to the Hebrew word for gift than actual sacrifice. This wasn't a, a, an atonement kind of sacrifice that you would see continued in Old Testament for the forgiveness of sin. This was an offering. It was a, it was a gift. And so that doesn't really, you won't necessarily find a whole lot of basis for that in the text. Some would say, well, maybe it was actually the condition of the sacrifice. Maybe, uh, maybe Cain, the reason his sacrifice was rejected was because it was like ugly fruit. It was just like the old nasty brown spotted bananas that your kids want to cut out. And you're like, it's not going to kill you. Eat it. We paid for that, you know. And you're like, make banana bread out of it. Whatever. Um, you know, versus, you know, the fatted calf. It's like this great portion. However, I think particularly when you take this text and the other thing you want to do when you're learning and understanding Scripture is you want to interpret Scripture with Scripture. I believe that it gets more 
at the attitude behind the offering than the actual differences between the offerings. In Hebrews 11, verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God's commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. There's this attitude that feels different. And, and we see this accentuated when God continues to have an interaction with Cain and it exposes some of the nastiness in his heart and his attitude that God even gives him an opportunity to turn from. We see here it's God comes to him and says, why are you angry? In verses 6 through 7. Why is your face downcast? If you would do what is right, will you not be accepted? It's not this like, you know, you do good, you get this, you do bad. It's, it's helping. I believe God was trying to help Cain understand. Cain, you, have, you, you were on a very defining moment right now. And I want you to know it's not about that. It's about your heart. There's things in your heart that this gift is exposing. And if you will make the right decision now, you can walk in greater blessing and freedom and joy. But if you don't, sin is crouching at the table, at the door, to devour you. See, God was getting at, with, with Cain, what he tries to come and help us understand today is that money is not just about money, guys. It reveals the things that matter to us in our hearts. It exposes our idols. That's why I say it's not just, it's not about amounts. It's about worship. It's about who is Lord and the attitude in which we present it. God desires us to be cheerful givers. If you give, but you resent the whole time you're giving, that's not truly an act of worship. If you have a spouse or a loved one and you take them a card, it doesn't matter what it says. If you came up to them and you're like, you know what, it's Valentine's Day. They were on sale at Walgreens. Here you go. <laughs> it doesn't matter what that card says. It doesn't matter how, if you got like the nice card stock $5.99 card. That came with the plastic wrap so you didn't jack it up in your book bag. It doesn't matter what, it, it doesn't matter how many gift cards are in it. Your attitude affects the offering. One of the things when I think about the attitude is it says a lot about our perspective of whom we're giving it to and what we realize we've actually received. When we talk about an attitude of adoration, we're not just talking about like, are you happy, sad? It's an attitude of adoration. We're saying when we offer, when we give of the first fruits, we give it. There's a part of it where we give to God what's God's because he said so. That's the authority part. But it's not just that. There's the attitude which comes out of how I view you. 
and what, how I view what you've done and what you are doing and who you are to me. A lot can be said about your relationship with another person based on whether or not you tend to re-gift to them. What I'm talking about is like, it's almost holiday time. And there's going to be some gifts that somebody gave to you that you didn't really want, that you're trying to think of, who can get this this year? There was an article uh, about the do's and don'ts of re-gifting. And uh, I heard somebody, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine, and they were like, man, I'm not giving so-and-so nothing. And I was like, why not? She's like, because as soon as I gave them something last year, I heard them tell somebody else, hey, you want this? <laughs> Many times we, we, we don't have an attitude of adoration because we have lost sight of what God has truly done for us and is doing. Do you know that the work on Calvary was not about 2,000 years ago? What God did on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross was not just something that would help you feel better at your church camp in 19-whatever, or rather 2,000. I know, a lot of you. It wasn't about that moment when you were feeling super emotional. Your friend had your arm around your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. The work of the cross is the gift that keeps on giving without you even asking. I'm grateful that God hears our prayers and he gives when we ask. But what blows my mind is he gives when we don't ask. He gives when actually people don't just not ask, they actually are cursing him. And yet he says, I know that you don't want me right now, but I'm still going to love on you today. I'm still going to give you breath because I want to give you time to say yes. I'm still going to love your babies. I'm still going to lead you into a place of fruitfulness and love and mercy, even though you're trying really, really hard to take yourself out. I'm going to bless you whether you want it or not. We forget, though, one of the ways that we can remind ourselves and realign this attitude of, ad, of, of admiration and adoration is worship. And I don't just mean here for 20 or 25 minutes. I mean actually building a lifestyle and a discipline of worship in our lives. Again, I said this is not a money message. This is a worship message. I really do encourage you. I don't get, I, I'm not, you know, just saying this to push a CD, but I'd encourage you to get the record from the Every Nation Worship album to get other, there, there's great stuff out there, but I know these songs are going to minister to you. And, and I was, I've listened to it five times through already, and the thing that just wrecks me, there's a song uh, called Golden Streets. And it talks about how, God, who was Jesus himself, the king of glory, 
left the golden streets of heaven to come and walk in the dirt and the dust and be ridiculed and spat upon just so that he could find us and love on us. Just so that he could come and step into your deepest place of shame and brokenness. So that he could find eight-year-old you, freshly abused, feeling worthless and dirty and full of shame, and take your hand and say, I love you, and I've got a plan for that, that, all that crap that just happened. I've got a plan to redeem and restore you. And I came all the way here to tell you. This, there's this part of the song, and it just says, And you found me, and you saved me, and you made me whole. And I mean, when I hear the first chords of this song, I fell to my knees in my bathroom and started weeping. Because I know he found me. And I remember what it felt like when I desperately needed him. And while I was trying to figure out, Lord, how am I going to keep my eyes from looking swollen for the rest of the day? I tell you what I wasn't wondering is how much I'm going to sing and worship and give him. Because I just want to give it all. It's, it's beyond just knowing. Like, you're going to go away with notes. I don't want you to just go away with notes. It's about having a revelation of how awesome and how much he loves you. And not just how much he loved you, how much he loves you. And the reality is, when you know that, you can also trust him that if he loved you and he loves you, he's going to keep on loving you. What does that mean? That if you will trust him, that will you, if you will give him the first fruits, he's going to take care of you. See, the first thing people think about it's like, oh, man, I got all these things. Like, what's going to happen? If God, if I give you what's yours, how am I going to take care of everything else? And God's saying, don't you know I'm taking care of you anyway? I'm taking care of you. I'm faithful. The first principle of first fruits is authority. The second is an attitude, attitude of adoration. The third one, and I'm going to wrap up here. If you want to go ahead and come up, Caleb, is the aftermath. As I said before, is one of the principles of the first fruits was it was giving of the first returns on a harvest, not just as an act of thanksgiving, but an act of faith, expecting that, God, we give to you, you always bless far beyond. The harvest comes from the Lord. Y'all hear that this morning? Just say that real quick. Say, the harvest, it comes from the Lord. Say it again. Say, the harvest, it comes from the Lord. Whatever we bring to God, whatever offering that we present to the Lord with faith, He always does exponentially more than we would ever, ever fathom. I've never, as, as I've walked in this 
for a long time, and I don't say it to boast myself. I was like Monica. It's like when I came to church, if my grandmother was sitting next to me, I knew that I was going to get two things from her. One, I was going to get a Werther's original or an hour later. And two, she was going to give me something to give in the offering. Because she was seating in the principle, don't come to the house of God without an offering, not just your song, but your resource. And she was trying to help me understand this. I also got a sweet tooth because of it, but that's a different story. But my whole point is, as I grew up, it wasn't, you know, again, God provided for us. But it wasn't like we just had exorbitant re, uh, resources and funds flowing out from everywhere. But I learned through seeing my parents faithfully give, even if we weren't sure where everything was going to come from. And then coming, there was a discipline that was saying, God, when I give, I'm not just saying thank you. I'm saying I trust you. And time and time again, he just keeps showing up. couple weeks ago. Man, y'all, we got, we got five kids. They eat things. And, and we have to have, like, a larger vehicle to transport them. Like, I, 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 we've been Ubering and yelping, not, I mean, Ubering long before anybody else. It's just our kids, and they don't tip well. And our van, it's needed some work, and I'm like, I don't have, I, Lord, we need this thing to last us as long as it can. It's got 220,000 miles on it, but Lord, I'm just, I'm praying for more. I need an increase, God. We need you to expand its mileage. But we had to put a lot of money into it. And it was like back to back. There was three weeks in a row where we had to be at the dealership trying to work something out. And I'm driving on my way to a pastor's gathering in Nashville. And we had taken it in. We thought it was just going to be a minor thing and then come to find out that there was another repair that was going to cost around $800. That's not like exactly what you're looking for, right? And, and I'm, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I, I had just a very raw moment where I'm driving this car and I, I just started tearing up. I'm like, God... I'm trusting you, and I do trust you. Lord, I'm, I'm overwhelmed right now because I know, like, there's that bill, but then I know that there's this other bill, <laughs> and, and, and there's other things, and, Lord, we just, gosh, you know, it's one of those, like, when you're saying I trust you while the tears are coming, and Kelly calls, and she goes, honey, Somebody overheard me talking to the guy at the dealership, and this anonymous person tells the guy at the dealership he wants to put $200 towards our repair. And I was like, that's amazing. We don't have $600. <laughs> and so there's a part of me, honestly, I'm like, God, this is kind of sick, right? It's like, there's kind of, it's, a kind, it's like a partial thing, but man, it's like, where do we come up with the other? And I'm just telling, it's like, Kelly, just tell her, like, we don't have that. Like, Thank you. So there was a small, minor part of the repair that cost less, and they were going to cover that. Well, I'm driving the car, and then Kelly calls me back. She says, honey, you're just not going to believe this. I'm like, what? And I'm just already on edge. I'm like, Lord, help me. And she said, the guy at the dealership came up to me, and she said, he said, ma'am, I've been working here for over 15 years. I've never had anything like this happen. 
Um, this anonymous person just came and they said they just want to cover the whole repair. Hallelujah. Y'all can praise. I'm, I'm. And I mean, I was a crying mess in my car. And it was what, what was so powerful to me was, you know, it's not like we, we weren't, we didn't go to a prayer meeting before this conversation necessarily. You know, it, it wasn't like my big faith, you know, whatever you think big faith looks like. But there was this raw, God, I'm trusting you through hot tears right now. Some of y'all, God wants you to learn how to trust them in hot tears. Y'all know, y'all know what I mean when I'm saying hot? It's like, and why do we trust him? Because there's the principle of, yes, authority and attitude, but he's faithful in the aftermath. And I believe that God is calling us at City of Lights to be a people that can trust him and walk with him in this way because he also knows that he, when God is thinking about wanting you to walk in, in, in blessing and fruitfulness and in his harvest, can I tell you, he's not just thinking about your life. He's not just thinking about City of Lights, the people that are in here. I believe God is wanting to bless our city in a way that will blow them away. And he's looking for a people. He's not looking at your bank account, he's looking at your heart and he's saying, I don't, is there a people who I don't just have 10% of, but I have 100% of? Is there a people that will trust me beyond what they have to and step in to a deeper place of intimacy? I want to be that people. Over the next couple weeks, we're just going to continue to unpack this and I'm just believing there's There's a step of generosity and a level of generosity and I will say a capacity of worship that I believe God is calling us as a people to rise up to because he wants to use us to be a blessing to this city like never before, to impact and love and to care and to demonstrate his adoration, his love for us. Jesus was the firstborn of the dead, the firstborn of the resurrection. He was the only begotten Son of God. He was the best, and He was submitted to the will of the Father, to the authority of the Father. And He, with joy and an attitude of love for the joy set before Him, He gave and offered His life so that we would be able to walk and be a part of the harvest of righteousness. Can we just follow his lead? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these, your people. I thank you for your great generosity and your love for us. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to trust you. That you would help us 
Lord, for those that have been giving, Lord, I thank you for what you've already seated in them. But Lord, I do pray, Lord, that, that if they are giving with joy, that they would continue to experience that joy. Lord, I pray that those that have been giving faithfully but maybe have, have grown callous and maybe disconnected to the joy of that, would you restore their joy, God? Would you restore their zeal? Would you re- remind them of your goodness and your faithfulness? And for those, Lord, who have been walking under just this weightiness or, or where that finances have been an idol and it's just been, Lord, you're, you're not after uh, their pocketbook. Lord, would you bring, come to their heart and help them to know you afresh as a redeemer, as a lover, as a restorer, as a provider. The things that you've tried to make yourself feel better with by buying them and pouring money into them, hoping that the more you get, the more you acquire. If I could only have this, then I would feel this. If I could only have this, then I would have God wants you to know he, you need to get it from him. He is your provider. Lord, I'm asking that you'd help us over the next couple weeks, Lord, to grow in a deeper understanding of who you are and be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.